Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We're living by the word ministries. Presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl Wizzy D. Fulton with my teammates, Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins, Eric, and Gabriel doing all that engineering stuff to make us sound so good to you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to participate in this broadcast uh, like Bob is doing, we're going to get Bonnie in a second. We have some people that's on Facebook. We're going to deal with their questions as well. Let me give you the information before we get back to what we were dealing with on the other side of the, um, the break. The number you can call right now, just call in right now live is 888 888- Nine nine five 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 two, triple eight nine nine five 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 two is the number you can call right now. Eric will receive your phone call. Eric will set you up, and we'll get your question in there uh, in whatever order we can and whatever order we deem appropriate with your question. So call Eric now, 888 Everything else, every other format we have available for this broadcast is Bible Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on our .com website address where you can send us an email or tweet us or messenger us. All those formats is Bible Info Brokers for you to participate in the broadcast to get your questions answered from a biblical perspective. Gentlemen, Bob, I'm bring Bob back up. And um, Bob, are you there with us still? Yeah, I sure am. And I'm glad you guys put me on hold because I brought up my, my notes. And you guys tell, told me a couple of weeks ago when you go to church, you hear something, open your Bible. So I got a bunch of Bible verses on homosexuality <laughs> here. Good for right. you. And, and we're gonna, you know what, Bob? We're going to deal with that stuff. Professor was... Um, was introducing his thoughts, and we, we had to go to a break. So I'm going to have Professor throw it back to him. And, Craig, if you don't mind, just kind of go back over what we're dealing with, and then let's get right into it because I know Brian have a few more thoughts. I have a few thoughts, and then we can move on. But, Bob, hang in there, we gotta, we, and we want to hear those scriptures, everything you have as well. So, Craig, you have the floor. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm conversant with the passages. He would cite, for example, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11, and so on and so forth. Uh, and even Paul in Romans 1 and 2. But, but let me just, actually, let me ask Bob a question first. Bob, you said you're a relatively young Christian. How long have you been one? Well, I've been studying this for quite a few years. I just haven't committed myself. Jesus yet because I haven't figured everything out and I don't know much about the new uh, the Old Testament and I want to get both under my belt before I make this decision I'm way leaning towards it because everything that I learn in the Bible is shoring up my feeling that this is all good um, but I'm a slow learner and I question everything um, wow. one of the reasons why I haven't jumped in is I really haven't found a good Bible teaching church. And I think there's some problems out there with churches. Now, I know the churches aren't going to be perfect, but I'm just trying to find one that teaches the Bible. And if there's a problem with the Scripture, then explain it to me. And I'm not knocking you guys. I mean, believe me, I, I turn to you guys for information every week, and I've learned a lot from you guys. Where, where do you live? I'm in the uh, West L.A. area. Okay. Um, if you're in the West L.A., I would say, uh, have, have you gone by Core Church, L.A.? Um, I have heard about them. I have heard him on the radio. I haven't, I haven't tried him yet. I know they were real close to me. Then they, they kind of moved over near the 10th Freeway. Yeah. The, they, are on, they are on my radar. Yeah, that's the that's church I attend. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and that doesn't 
you know, that doesn't say anything or mean anything. I'm about to say we can close the books on everything. That's it, Brian. It. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Steve is a very, very good teacher, very sound. Uh, and so I would say that uh, if you are truly looking for a church, then take a Sunday and, and go down there. Their services are at 8.30 and 10.30 in the morning. Now, I'm a little concerned, Bob. I want to make sure I heard you right, Craig. Maybe you heard what I heard, but correct me if I'm wrong. Bob, have, if you, have you personally accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you waiting to get all your questions answered first before you do such a thing? Exactly. Um, I am, and I'm not being, like, too close-minded. Um, this is a lot for me to believe in. Yes. Uh, I'm leaning that way. I just, I would like to understand the Old Testament, which I don't have much understanding about, and then I'll make my decision. I, I think I'm, I've read pretty much the whole New Testament. Okay. But, uh, let me, let me, let me do this, Bob, for the sake of time, because man, what you, what you're doing and what you're going through, you are countless hundreds of thousands of people out there in the world. This is too important not to deal with and take our little time. So Bonnie, hang in there. Mark, hang in there. Uh, all the Facebook people that wrote us questions, this is super important, as you well know. PCH, you have the floor. We're going to let you handle this, and then we're going to move move forward. Well, thanks, Bob. It's always good to hear from you, number one. Number two, thank you for your honesty. Yes. Number three, and I, well, I really appreciate what you're saying, and you sound uh, remarkably similar to me, <laughs> uh, but I've been a Christian for over 45 years, and I'm still learning things and trying to figure stuff out. So uh, you may know some shortcut path, but realistically, you would be spending your whole life before you have the answers you, you think you, you need or want to have. So, I, again, I commend you for your your search in your studies, Nevada uh, is to be commended. But again, the idea you're going to have it all down and whatnot before you make a decision, well, I hope you live that long. And I mean that Amen. sincerely, not just jokingly. Um, we can help you with that. Um, I'm a bibliophile, and i constantly recommending works, various literature, and stuff to help you better understand the Old Testament and New Testament, for that matter, and so on. And so forth. So if we can help out with that, let us know. But uh, again, having all the answers, well, I don't think we'll ever have all the answers. The question is, when do you reach a critical mass of answers that you know that um, you have enough? Now, that's, again, you have to go by your your standards and what you're looking for. But uh, I want you to be realistic with that. And you have to give me an answer right now, but I do want to say that to you. Uh, next thing, fourth point, I believe, is I do want to uh, agree with Brian and say, yeah, Core Church LA is a great place to go. Pastor Steve is very faithful and teaches the Word, and I think you would uh, benefit from that. Now, so, at any rate, again, lot lot to learn, and it's good you're asking questions. And uh, this approach, I mean, as far as knowing what you believe and why, and it's, you commit, is commendable, but... Having all the answers or a certain level, I mean, that may take a, a literally a lifetime. A lifetime. I'm a, I, I've been a student for over 45 years of Christianity, and I still am learning things and growing and hopefully developing my knowledge. Now, to the point, though, so it's, it's a form of hyper-dispensationalism. It tries to bifurcate or distinguish between the four Gospels, the three synoptics, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the fourth Gospel. 
And they say, well, that's, some will argue, well, that's, that's the words of Jesus, that's the gospel. And, you know, Paul and these other guys, you know, that's just their own stuff. Well, that's funny, because Jesus says to his disciples, you can look in at least three major chapters, John 14, 15, 16, and elsewhere, but those three whole chapters, he says over and over again, he's going to, he and the Holy Spirit is going to guide them into truth. He's going to bring all things to their remembrance that he taught them. So he promises to bless them with recall and with understanding into what he taught them. So you're not just now disagreeing with them, you're disagreeing with Jesus, because he gives the good housekeeping seal of approval to what they're going to teach and what they're given to them. And, uh, and you're also now forcing to the incredible, and I mean that literally, incredulous, actually, hypothesis that, that they, they all apostatize so quickly that only what got written in the Gospels is accurate and everything else is not. So... I would argue that this preposterous, number one. Number two, Jesus gives his housekeeping, good housekeeping seal of what they're going to share and teach. But, but let's use the example of the uh, issue of homosexuality or same-sex same marriages and that uh, relations. Jesus, in dealing with divorce and remarriage and grounds for divorce, uses one of the, one of the terms he uses is the actual word for adultery, but the other generic word is used is porneia. And porneia is a generic term for all forms of sexual immorality, and it includes homosexuality. Porneia was often the term that was written above the so-called Greek bathhouses, where basically everything and anything went, sexually speaking, and certainly homosexuality was a, a very big part of that. And Pornea referred to all the activities that went on there. In other words, so... Okay, we lost Craig there for a second, Bob. Hold on, we're going to get him back on there. I know he's not taking his break now in the middle of his own thoughts. I know better than that, right, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, stop it. 888 is the number of guys. We can get Craig back on. Appreciate that. 888 Bob, you're still with us, though, right? Yeah. Okay, sure good. Am. Just hang in there. Because, uh, what, well, well, let me get the number out and get more information for the listening audience. 888 Bible Info Brokers for everything else. Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, Tweet. Email us questions or what have you. And I don't want to get uh, Craig's flow any kind of way disjointed, Bob, but one of the key things that Craig said, as uh, far as I'm concerned, and what I was alluding to in regards to knowing everything before you do it, before you make a decision, um, I know for sure that we don't do life like that, in all honesty, for myself. And I had to challenge myself, but I don't want to just jump in something and say if I'm not really going to you know, do it. And I think that's where I believe your heart is more than anything else. That's what I hear from you as a man. And I appreciate that, man. I appreciate honesty with ourselves to the core. Oh, but, yeah. But I would never, I would, I would not do too much in life if I had to know everything about everything, man. My remote control that was so graciously led me to flip between the Super Bowl and not seeing all those commercials, I loved it. But don't ask me what the heck that is, how the thing works, and all those things. I don't know. I'm just going along that line, but I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'm going to have Craig finish his thought since he's back from his break now, and he interrupted himself. But I'm going to know he's back, and he's going to continue with his thought. PCH, do you, uh, did you hear yourself click off, or did you know you, you got clicked off? Uh, I figured as much. Well, when I asked if Bob was still there and I heard no response. <laughs> kind of no, but we were here. Bit, uh, <laughs> exactly. You tell me how far did I get no, before I went I, I think when you, uh, you, it was just about a minute. Um, uh, cause we, you got back on in less than a minute. And, um, Bob, the last thing you heard Craig say was what? Because I was writing something down. Uh, Brian, if you can help out with that. 
Bob? Yeah. The last thing you heard Professor uh, speak on was what? What was the last thing in your mind that he said? He was going into a Bible verse and he got kind of cut out, so I'm not sure what. Okay. Uh, I think I know. Let me just try this then, Bob. So I don't grant this distinction, this hyper-dispensational distinction between the Gospels and, and the Epistles whether by Paul, Peter, or whomever. So I'm, I'm not granting that. But, but by the way, but three of the epistles are, uh, are from John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, who wrote the Gospel. So if you're going to take the Gospel of John, you, you have to take those as well. But, but to the point, even if I were going to, and I call it a game, I'm being, you know, loaded language, but if I was going to play this game, you can still use the Gospels to show that homosexuality is forbidden. And I, cause I mentioned the word porneia, and that's the G- Greek term, the generic term for all sexual immorality. And Jesus uses that. And, and that appears, for example, in Matthew 19, 1 through 9. He also talks about adultery and, and, and just sexual immorality in general in Matthew 5, 30 to 32. So, but... Uh, what I said was, is, and I'm not trying to be mean, but the people who are teaching probably don't know the original languages, so they don't know that. So sometimes people say, well, where does Jesus condemn that? And it's like, if you knew the culture and the language, you know that it includes that. So, so if, even if I didn't have available to me 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it doesn't matter. I have the past homosexuality condemned through the word pronea in Matthew 19, 1 through 9, for example, among other places. So this is where background and experience and knowledge of the cultures and the language comes into play. And this can take a lifetime to learn this stuff. I didn't acquire this overnight. I went to school for 15 years. I'm not talking high school. So after that, so it takes a while. You don't have to go that long per se, but uh, again, I commend one more time you were wanting to study and know what you believe and why, uh, but also you know, you just make sure you don't commit what's called the fallacy of unobtainable perfection. You've got to reach a level before you commit, and you'll, you'll never reach that level, and maybe not in this lifetime, especially if you're a little older like I am. So uh, does that help at all, Bob? Yeah, let me just explain. I, I'm not saying that I have to learn everything verse by verse. I just have a, have a better understanding. Now, I have been watching Greg Laurie. He's teaching me a lot. I watched Mike oh, Weir, which has helped me tremendous. Um, I think part of my setbacks are from a few bad churches I've been to, and also yes. the Bethel Church I, I was talking to you guys about, but some of the crazy yes. stuff I've seen in there. And I'm like, wow. Right. You know, I even asked one of the guys in there, you know, when they were walk, uh, pace around prophesizing and saying they were speaking for God, I said, you know, I, I can't get there. We just don't have enough faith. You know, it's like, mm. so I'm not blaming this all on anything. I just need to learn more, but I need to get yeah. hooked up with a church where I can grow and have questions answered. Um, yes. I've been doing this all on my own, and I'm not saying that I have to learn everything word for word. I just have to have a better understanding of the I appreciate that. that I'm going to make. And, uh, and I'm not saying this in a kind of sandy way or anything. I right. just, uh, well, this is really hard for me. I've never really gotten this deep into my uh, quest with uh, Jesus, but this is what you guys are here for. Bob, here's a, here's a question for yeah. you. How, how many churches have you gone to? Uh, this would be the 13th. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. 
then he, then here's let let me again let me recommend Core Church so you don't have to go to another thirteen and you can see if you like the church if you like the teaching. And, um, and, and, and some of them, I only I left one of them right in the middle of the worship music. A uh, couple of them, I I only spent one day in there because it was just too younger crowd. Um, I and I counted those, but the ones that I actually went for quite a while is about four or five of them. So, mm-hmm. and the last one was the Bethel Church. I was there for about two and a half, almost three years. Oh my! Wow. See, uh, guys, uh, Craig, I'm going to let you go ahead and speak, and I'll see where you're going, then I'll say what I have to say. Well, yeah, if, if, if you want to give us your contact information, I have a lot of material. Again, on my books, I understand the Old Testament. Uh, they're, what are called, they're called Introductions to the Old Testament, and, and books like that, and I can recommend a couple that will help you greatly on that. So, again, I appreciate what you're saying. I think Brian's right, so attend a church like Core Church, and I think you'll really – you won't have to go to another 13. And and let me just say, end on this point. Yeah, Bethel, see, they define faith almost as credulity. You just got to believe. Well, that's not what faith means in Hebrew and Greek. And so it's not that you don't have enough faith. It's nincompoopishness. Let me just cut to the chase here. It's, you know, and I can say, well, you don't have enough faith, brother. Well, maybe it's because you have enough common sense to know there's something wrong, and this doesn't make sense. And, and I always ask people, how do you know what's the difference between stupidity or credulity? Uh, what's the difference among those and faith? Uh, faith is not just stupidity. It's not just credulity. I'll believe anything because it's a religious claim, and I'll, well, I have to believe it by faith. Faith is confidence, conviction, or commitment to what one knows to be true. What one is has a satisfied mind. There has to be a level of intellectual satisfaction. Now, again, not that we know everything, but that we, we that it's it is reasonable, and that's why indeed the Bible says, "Come now, let us reason together," says the Lord. So, I appreciate what you're saying, Bob, and I'm really so glad you're listening and that you're calling in. And just want to see you get into a good church like Core Church, but I'm really glad. You're calling us, Bob. Now, Bob, I'm going to say this and close. I'm going to let you go because what we're going to do now is I'm going to ask that you do this. I'm going to ask that if you have never done this before, I'm going to ask that you seriously do this upon what we're going to talk about right after we hang up with you before we get to the other callers. I want to ask that you would prayerfully, seriously prayerfully consider what we're going to talk about as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I, and I, I don't, I'm not talking about any believe, easy believism because I like what you're doing, man. Trust me. I like what you're doing. That, like Craig said, it reminds me of him. It reminds me of myself when I was at the science of mind church and I got saved there, not because of the science of mind, but because of what the challenge was about my own soul, my own life, my own knowing myself. So I'm going to go ahead and hang up with you and thank you for your call. And please, by all means, I know you're going to continue listening. But I want you to listen to this gospel message and prayerfully ask God to deal with you on that level um, and then see what see what we go for from there. And, and, be, and I definitely agree with what Daryl just said, but it's so important only because of the fact that, uh, Bob, you're not promised tomorrow at all. Not promised uh, one second from the time you hang up. So, again, listen to uh, uh, the message. There's a little saying that says, "If you wait till, uh, was it? If you wait, if you wait till the last hour to seek God, it's going to be too late." And I understand what you guys are saying. 
And let me tell you something. I'm just going to share with you what a 95-year-old, a 93-year-old friend of mine passed away, and I'm not going to say his name, but just in honor of the memory that I have with him, and it just tears me up each time I think about it. We talked about the things of God. He was married to a woman that was, he called a holy roller, as it were, and really into the things of God. And he he gave me all kind of great gospel music, gospel CDs, and everything. Older gentlemen, we loved each other as human beings, but he told me, Daryl, Let's not talk about uh, religion or Jesus anymore. And then he died three months after that. And I'm just going to put it there. And uh, thank you, Bob. And listen to what we're going to talk about right now as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, brother? I appreciate it. God thank bless you, guys you, man. For taking the time tonight. God bless you guys. You too. PCH, good segue into that. And we see you, um, Renee, Mark, Bonnie, we're going to get to you as well. Um, but let's get right into the gospel message, Craig. We are, man. Um, let's just get right into the gospel message. Well, sure. This this week, been a week. Uh, close friends, family, or others. Uh, the fellowship I attend, about twelve people passed away in the last couple of weeks, and four or more just this last couple of days. Mm. And and so, yeah, I'm not trying to pressure Bob, but yeah, there's you're not guaranteed a final hour. Um, and I just need to say that. Um, but again, I commend what he's doing. But yes, yes the Bible does call for faith, but faith is not blind belief. Uh, often you ask people, what do you mean by faith? They think, well, a leap in the dark, a leap of faith. You know, it's not reasonable. That That's not what faith is biblically defined. That's a caricature. That's a misrepresentation done by people who simply intentionally caricature it or simply just don't understand the concepts. It is indeed confidence, conviction, or commitment to what one knows to be true. It would be like me knowing that smoking is really not good for me. And and then, by the grace of God, I'm able to appropriate that knowledge, and I commit to stop smoking. I don't have to be the world's expert and know everything about the effects of smoking on lung cancer, lip cancer, emphysema, and other diseases related to smoking. But I know enough, and the causal nexus, and I know that it's not good for me and that I ought to appropriate the knowledge. And that's what it is. It's a question of knowing the basics of who Jesus is and what he claimed, and either one commits to it or not. And it was composed of three basic components using the Latin notitia, N-O-T-I-T-I-A. It's just simply the raw data, the raw information. So, for example, if I had a great financial investment, but you, you don't know about it, you've never heard it, well, you can't possibly utilize it. It can't help you. But number two is you could know of something, whether it's to stop smoking or start doing something that would be proactively good for your health or a great investment, but but you have to intellectually assent to it. You either agree or disagree. This is good for my health or not good for my health. This is good for my finances or not. But the last component of that, beyond census, where we get our word assent from the Latin, is fiducia, which is the actual trust. And that is we appropriate. So I know... For example, God forbid I have a terminal disease and I hear there's a medication that if I receive it, allow myself to be treated, it will, it's efficacious, it will cure me of what this terminal disease. I can know and believe and quote all I want until I appropriate it then it doesn't do me any good. 
But it doesn't do me any good just because I believe, because you could believe something will help you, and if it has no curative powers, you can believe all you want. It's irrelevant, the belief. It's believing something that is true and appropriating that knowledge. That maybe doesn't sound very, very romanticizing or whatever, but that is the biblical definition of faith. It's, it's more than that, but it's not any less than that. It is confidence and conviction, and therefore commitment to what one believes to be true, has a satisfied mind, intellectually speaking, and now they appropriate that knowledge and the benefits that come from it. In this case, the benefit is eternal life, trusting in Jesus Christ, not just for longevity, but for quality of life. Life that is truly life, life in that more abundantly, is only found in a personal relationship with Christ. Now, been a mind-boggling week last week last week because literally and then the last mm. x amount of days literally a, a dozen people or more uh, have passed away and uh, some of them in very horrific manners and car car wrecks and it was almost instantaneous and so again the, uh, this is not an appeal to fear that's a fallacy this is an appeal to reality though that yeah i would i uh, if one says you need to finish research then i would do that post haze uh, i would do that asap uh, because uh, there's no guarantees of tomorrow, and the life that's truly life found in the Lord Jesus Christ is only by appropriating Him, trusting in Him, believing on Him. Same words in Greek and Hebrew as our Lord and Savior. That is life, more abundantly, right here, right now. And on the other hand, I do need to say, and again, not an appeal to fear, but for those who do not trust in Christ, you risk eternal separation from God. And as Brian would say, and rightly so, eternity is too long to be wrong. That's time so. to get right with God, and that time, I believe, is right now. Brian. Craig, got a question. Is there anything wrong with appealing to fear? Well, no. There's a time and a place. In the guy who, who the doctor says, well, you have mouth cancer, and you need this operated on, removed ASAP. Uh, if if that puts the fear in you, then so be it. Fear, yeah, Brian, appeal to fear is not always wrong. It's only when it's done in place of a good argument. But when it's done to emphasize the importance of, of an issue like having some life-threatening disease, I've literally heard of people, literally, who went into the doctor, and the doctor said, you have a serious heart condition, and you need to, we need to go to the ambulance the hospital now. And some people did not do that and literally died right then and there and or barely made it to the operating room to get the surgery they needed. And they could say, well, you're just trying to scare me. Well, sometimes the fear is appropriate because the the concern, the danger is so urgent, so immediate, that it, it, it requires immediate attention. So, you yeah, Brian, it's not always a fear. It's when it's done in a place of an argument, not when it's trying to get you to commit to the conclusions of a good argument. And, and I say that because, you know, the the term I do say, eternity is too long to be wrong. That is fair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess, but, Craig, I, but I don't say it to, like, you know, just it, it's 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 basically to let some. Well, you can say it is. It's just yeah. to let somebody know that you know what, if you don't do X, these are the consequences. Well, I think that Craig, what you said is a very very intellectual and very solid argument in regards to why we don't use fear as fear itself, but. I think the gospel in and of itself, if we, the argument of the gospel and the argument about eternity being too wrong, uh, too long to be wrong and all that type of stuff, whether we like to call it that or not, just like we don't like to say that, you know, talk about the women preachers and all that kind of stuff. We may not like it as individuals or our tastes or whatever, but the gospel itself 
is a reconciling gospel about repentance so that you can shun hell and go to heaven. And then, but with, with Bob, I'm throwing Bob back in there because with the seriousness of Bob is taking it. But yet, at the same time, the argument is, Bob, you're not promised tomorrow. Daryl, you're not promised tomorrow. No one out there listening to us is promised 15 minutes from now. So then if we already made the argument for Jesus Christ and when he died and us being sinful creatures that need a savior, that argument is solid. That argument we've been talking about since we've been on this radio and before we were alive, been making that argument has been made already. So why would not fear be used even if we say it as kindly as Brian says, week in, week out, eternity is too long to be wrong. I'm just a little, I'm, I don't want to be confused about it. I don't want to confuse the listening audience. I want to get clarity on that. Well, we, I know, but we've made the point. I mean, again, I, I teach logic and fallacies. Again, uh, appeal to fear is only a fallacy if you're only appealing to fear. Gotcha. And you're not yeah. giving a rational basis for why one ought to have the fear. Yeah, I've go. literally heard, I don't sell life insurance, but I have friends that do. And that they've literally known people who put off life insurance and they died the next day, and right. then they died with no insurance in place for the family. Indeed. No, well, anyway, okay, okay. No, I, think, I think we got we exhausted it. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Brian, you know what? Even though we have the other callers hanging there, we're going to get to you, uh, Brock, Renee, Mark, and Bonnie. You up next, uh, Brian? Please let the folks know how they can uh, participate in giving, and we can do that fast. We only have about thirty minutes left in the broadcast. Okay. Um, yeah, def- we, we definitely need support. Yes. Okay, and you can help support this radio ministry uh, with your donations. You can go to the website. You can go to BibleInfoBrokers.com, BibleInfoBrokers.com. Click on the link that says Support and Donate. Uh, it takes a minute at the most to fill out the information. Uh, the other way you can give is if you want to mail in your donation you would uh, make your check crash your check whatever uh you're sending in make it out to living by the word living by the word and that's at p.o box 90477 p.o box 90477 los angeles california 90009 uh i also uh, want to mention the fact that uh we uh back with our wednesday bible study we were there Good. last wednesday Good. Uh, we're going into and talking about Jehovah Witnesses and the Watchtower. We had a general overview uh, last uh, last Wednesday. It went very well. A lot of the uh, a lot of those on the on the line had no idea how you know what the Watchtower is all about and what they taught. This we're continuing is is pretty much like part two. We're going to go over about nine or ten of the passages that the Jehovah Witnesses often use, often use and we're just going to show how they're taking it out of context, and we'll give you the true biblical meaning of what these passages are. So again, and that's on Wednesday? Wednesday night, 730. Uh, you can go to BIBVBS.com, BIBVBS.com, or go to the website and give me your, uh, your email address, and I can email you. Uh, all the information, and I normally do it about an uh, hour or two before the Bible study. Look, I got a brilliant, brilliant thought. Uh, Craig, you can help me out with this. And Brian's stuff is at 7 o'clock, but what the people can 730. do. 7.30. 7.30. What they can do, I think around 1 o'clock, one thirty is you have something that's going on where they can actually get some questions kind of prepare and get the answer for it, and they can bring and uh, share it with the people at the Bible study uh, with Brian on Wednesday night. Don't you have something about one thirty about uh, your channel, my channel, his channel, their channel, something? 
<laughs> one o'clock, one to two on his there you channel. Go. His channel, go his ahead. Channel dot com, internet TV. I have the pleasure of doing a program called Today's Bible Questions, in which uh, via TV, uh, via the internet, you can watch that, and people can text in their questions and uh, attempt to answer those. So, yeah, the pleasure of doing that. I get some great questions on that program as Super. well. I just really enjoy it. But that's Wednesdays from one to two, but. Actually, the number, which can be found on his channel, that they could text the question right now or you go. 2, 3 in the morning, and then it gets there, and then they print them out, and then I try to go through them. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's a great, for me, it's a great opportunity. Well, here's a great opportunity for everyone. I'm posted on these very, see this one, Brian? See how I got the little, sort of yeah. like little leaves there? Yeah. Uh, I post every day a uh, daily Bible reading. Today is day number 43, going through Exodus 39 through 40, or then we bring a 44 tomorrow. Read chronologically to the Bible. This is not telephonically you can do this. You have to go on Facebook, uh, look it up. Not telephonically, Craig, but actually on Facebook. They can go there, look it up, and see what day we're reading. And then take the opportunity, once you read it, write a comment. See, that's where you can write a comment. You don't get the chance to comment on our broadcast. Write a comment there. I will read your comment. It may be in your comment. It may be a question. If you have a question, write a question about that daily Bible reading, about 20 minutes a day, Brian, and they can even listen to it audibly. That's right. You know, I'm glad I'm glad you let Craig explain his channel because you're turning it into who's on first base. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Bonnie, we bringing you up right now because I don't want to give Brian one from Pasadena. Bonnie, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Bonnie. My question is on. Hi, Brian. I had I had joined you on your um, uh, Bible study on Wednesday. I was wondering. You told me to call in about the um, Ezekiel War question. Yes. So that's why I'm calling in. Yeah. So my answer is, I mean, my question is actually um, about the Antichrist. Uh, you know, he has several names, son of tradition and the Antichrist, and the beast, the man of lawlessness. But it was also, I heard that he has, uh, it calls him the Assyrian. And if, I wanted to narrow down my search where I can find out where he was called the Assyrian, because that means that he would be coming out of Iraq. I mean, yeah, northern Iraq, Assyria area. And I wanted to know that because that's we then it does say in the Bible that we would be able to know where he comes from. PCH. You know, I always hear people no, say, you. "Well, we don't know where he's coming from." I hear you. PCH, southeast well, of Syria. I, I, I'm not aware of that. Uh, so I, there, there were Antiochus Epiphanes, one of the four generals who took over. Uh, after the death of, of Alexander the Great uh, of Greece, I mean, he was from Syria. Uh, Syria would have been a little bit over, but he was actually from Sy- what we would call Syria. Uh, but Assyrian, I've not heard that because, the best of my knowledge, that's just that's not true. So you are right in everything else you said. There absolutely are a number of titles for the individual. I do believe it will be an actual person who epitomizes the Antichrist. It's according to John. It's a spirit that was even there at the time of the writing of the epistles of John. Uh, but I believe there'll be a specific person. I believe that person is talked about in books like Daniel and other prophetic literature and Isaiah and Ezekiel and uh, elsewhere. Uh, but but I'm not aware of him coming from Assyria, uh, but from 
Syria. I mean, I'm trying to remember the Ptolemies and the Seleucids and all that. I believe the Seleucids were from well, the area of modern-day Syria. And Antiochus is the one who came into the temple and Definitely. sacrificed a pig and, and, and you know... Uh, Desolation, the, yeah. Egregious sacrilege. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a type or a precursor of the Antichrist, but he was Syrian, not Assyrian. Okay. And, and I think... Okay. Uh, you had a question about some literature on, on Ezekiel? Well, well, the thing was, like, I was wanting to find out if... Well, I have several questions, but I think that's, I didn't want to, you know, bog you down with a bunch of questions I have about, you know, uh, Ezekiel right now, the Ezekiel War. But I was trying to find out, because I went to my strong concordance, and I looked up everywhere it said Assyrian. And, you know, it talked about it in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosanna, and Micah. And I was trying to narrow down the search, because I read a few of them, but I, I didn't... I didn't read up all the whole chapters of all these to find out where the Antichrist name was uh, also called an Assyrian. Okay, I tell you, you know, what, well, you, go ahead, go ahead, Greg. Well, Mark, you're not going to find it. You'll pe- find people like Sennacherib and yes. others who were with Assyria. Right, right. Who's the other big one? Uh, another, anyways, the, there were several of them that are talked about, uh, but but not. But but not the Antichrist. The, again, I'm going to argue uh, Tantiochus Epiphanes, to best my knowledge, has been a while, was Syrian. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that's similar. And, and geographically, of course, the, the Assyrians conquered that area at the time. They were the world Middle Eastern power at one time before Babylon and even the Medo-Persians. Uh, but, but again, was it's not Assyrian. I don't know who gave that. What's that? Was that when when it was in the Mesopotamia rule? Sort of modern day Iraq, Mesopotamia. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that is Mesopotamia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're there, but that's more. They did go into those areas, but that's eventually the power base for Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar and his related family members. Right, right. I tell you what, Bonnie, because we want to get these other callers. Anything else you want to? Anything else you find? Any other questions? No, not right now. No, but listen, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Bonnie, Bonnie, listen to me. Write them out on our email, send them to by way of email or our Facebook page. You can go either one and write us the questions there. That way you don't have to, once you get them, write them out, put them on there, and we'll be able to see them, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you very much. God bless you, Bonnie. Thanks, Bonnie. Okay, guys, I'm not going to give the number out because we only have about 20 minutes left, Ryan and the guys. So let's go to uh, Mark in Fullerton, I believe. That's where he's calling from, if I can get my uh, mouse to work right. Um... Mark Fullerton, thanks for calling in. Hey, I'm uh, bless you guys. Uh, just a quick question. Um, in the event that Russia invades the Ukraine, um, do you believe that World War III could happen from a biblical perspective and our nation be destroyed? Okay, Mark, it's difficult to hear you. I got your question. I'm going to take you off the air because it's bad for the radio and that sound that we're getting back background and everything. So I got your question about Russia and Ukraine, and we'll answer it off the air, okay? I'm going to take you, take you, brother, much. Question about uh, Russia and um, Ukraine, Craig and Brian, do you think this is going to lead to World War Three? I have no, no idea. Yeah, it's it's like, a legitimate question. But one thing about all but basically prophecy buffs, they've all been wrong. Um, predicting the end of the world and who was the Antichrist and, and what have you. 
I, I don't know. I'm, is, am I saying it's, it's impossible? No, but well, I don't know. I would argue nobody really knows. Uh, it's a great. I mean, but again, it's a great question. I'm glad Mark asked it. It's worth asking, but we, we really don't know. What I do find interesting, though, I will say this, is that in the uh, NATO forces, of course, Germany is a part of that, right. and Germany in the Bible would be referred to as as Gomer. Uh, and it's interesting that when when Russia, which is represented by particularly Gog and Magog, for example, in Ezekiel, um, that Gomer sides with them. And I do find it intriguing that Germany, that although they're in the NATO pact, they're not willing to pr- provide any military yeah. assistance. I'm not even talking soldiers, but arms and weapons and otherwise to help the Ukraine stand against any possible Soviet invasion. So that, that to me is intriguing. And whatever, but again, how far we can push that? I want to be careful because I don't know God's divine clock. I I do believe and know it will eventually happen. When? Don't know. But I always like to live as if today's my last day. That's a good way to live, my brother. Excellent way to live. Uh, let's go to. I'm going to take Brock's call. Don't no, let's go to Renee right quick. Renee and Rachel and Kukamanga. Renee, thanks for holding on and calling in. Can you hear me? Hear you loud and clear, Renee. We only have about 15 minutes left in the broadcast. Want to get okay. as many questions as we can. I, I don't know how quick this is going to be. Let's see what happens. All righty. Um, <laughs> I was calling because uh, I we had the discussion came up with our service this morning about uh, God expecting you know, God is holy, so we must be holy. God is perfect, so we must be perfect. And I have been following. I've been with this particular. Uh, church for 10 years, and I would say this is where I've gotten most of my biblical learning. Our pastor is stomped down biblical every Sunday. We go through the scriptures with a fine-tooth comb. But I kind of got thrown with this because he was saying today that God is perfect. He expects us to be perfect and holy, and so there's really no room for mistake. Once you know what the rule is, I'm using rules, you know, just kind of as an easy word to pull out. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you know what it is, then you should right then and there know that you're never going to break that rule again. And if by doing so, then that makes you not eligible for entry into heaven because you know what the rule is, but you're not adhering to it. And so I deferred to Paul, who uh, talks about what he wanted to do, but he didn't do. He tried to do it, but he couldn't do it, or he did what he didn't want to do. So... He, obviously, we know his history, he wasn't perfect because even though he taught and preached and and, and evangelized gotcha. the whole planet. Okay, Renee, I think only for, the, Renee, only for the sake of time, Renee, I know it's, this is very much a spiritual conundrum. PCH, let's get into this uh, because we only have like 10 minutes left and we got three or four other calls. Okay. Well, Renee, thank you for the question. Excellent question. Yeah, yeah and, and so... I'm going to argue with all due respect, your pastor is incorrect, because then he should be the first to admit that he's not going to heaven then, because right. he's imperfect, sins of commission or omission. So you're right, Paul. Now, what typically people will say is they'll say, well, that's before he's a believer. So they'll say even Romans 7 and 8 is really more when before he's a believer, but I'm going to argue that's not the case. But here's an easier way to do this. Go to First John, First John chapter 1, especially verses 8, 9, and 10. And John, writing to Christians, says, if we claim we don't sin, we're liars. So which is it? 
So here's an apostle saying we still sin. If, 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 when you, I forget the word you use, but I'll just go ahead and define it anyways. Um, if if, if it, you mean that we should never make excuses for sin, if that's what he was saying, that we never have an excuse, I can never say I couldn't help myself. It's not my fault. Uh, that is denied the believer. But that somehow we're not going to sin even as believers, that's not true either. So he's holding to a view called the entire sanctification or perfectionism, which is a very small view, but more importantly, it's not biblical. John Wesley held to it and a few others, and it's it's not biblical with all due respect. So, no, uh, look, we get to heaven, according to Paul, again, not making excuses for sin or to keep committing them and saying it's no big deal, but Romans 3.28, if you have a pen or pencil handy or can listen to the broadcast again when we post it up, Romans 3.28, and for example, Romans 9.30.32, and even Ephesians 2.8.9 tells us we're not saved by our works, but but by trusting in Christ. So if I have to be perfect to be holy in its ultimate meeting, a la Revelation 15.20, then none of us are going to make it. We, we, all of us sin. And John says if we don't, we don't admit that, we're liars. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I do sin. I'm not making excuses for it. And I certainly don't sin as much, or certainly some of the sins I committed when I was much younger, but I still sin, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to heaven. It means that I'm growing in what's called practical holiness or sanctification. But you have been declared righteous by God, a la Romans 3.28. So what's called positional righteousness, Renee, you're as, you're as saved as you're going to be in one sense. You're not going to get more saved 10, 20 years from now or when you grow more. But practical holiness or sanctification, we're all growing in. So with all due respect, I have to disagree with your pastor. And please feel free to call back. We can talk some more when we have more time. Appreciate your phone call, Renee. God bless you. I do, I do want to say one thing, too. I, I look at Paul. He goes, why? I'm, look at me. I'm, I'm chief. chief. I'm chief sinner. Indeed, wasn't even a uh, Native American. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Actually, we don't have time. We're going to take these well, other calls. We had a, we had a caller who wanted to know the address again to yes. the Bible uh, mm-hmm. study on Wednesday, Wednesday night, seven thirty. Go to uh, on the internet bibvbs dot com. Just remember, Bible Info Brokers Virtual Bible Study bibvbs dot com. Wednesday, seven thirty. We go to our website at Bible Info Brokers to get the information as well as on the front page there. A question from Facebook, guys. Um, Johnny is uh, asking a question. I read that the first century, many Christians attended church in the evening after finishing their shift at work. Is there a great, uh, I guess he's asking, resource uh, that documents that Christians were working on Sundays? Any kind of information that you have, Craig, books or any kind of writings or articles? Nothing to my mind, I'd have to go look at some history books. I mean, they people typically people worked on that day, so yeah. I mean, I'm I, I think it's just a general principle that's probably going to be true. Uh, but I'd have to think of any specific books. Particularly, one would have to look at like at a Bible manners and customs book that deals with work and work days and all that. I'm sure it'd be easy enough to to, to find. I just I've never looked it up because I've never had the question come up. Yeah, but that, yeah, that, it's true. A little quick addition to that question. It seems like it's, uh, people can overemphasize the almost like straining at the uh, 
the minorness of it as far as day going to church during the day or night, uh, Sunday or any other day during the week, as opposed to not forsaking the assembly together, which is the major point in regards to that. Well, right. I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, the church did move in honor of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. The, the worship primary worship day is Sunday. But look, I, I, I'm in ministry. I work the most on Sunday. I mean, mm-hmm. number one. N- number two is I, I, every day belongs to God, I would argue. I, not just Sunday. Some people can't make it on Sundays, but they are worshiping on Wednesdays, Thursdays, uh, yeah. and, and some Saturday nights. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Daryl. And okay. you can just go right to Romans 14. Read it, Brian. Oh, I didn't. Uh, basically, it's saying. I'll paraphrase. Just paraphrase it. Uh, basically, it's saying, you know, you know. I like what Craig says, every day belongs to the Lord, but it, it's, um, here it goes, Romans uh, fourteen five. one man regards one day above yeah. another, another regards every day alike, mm-hmm. let each man be fully convinced yes. in his in his own mind, yes, he who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does it for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he eats, uh, he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and gives thanks to the God. So basically, uh, whatever day you choose, uh, to be for the Lord is totally up to you. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. You just killed a whole lot of Pharisees, put them on a work, Brian. That's not very And good. Colossians 2, 14 yeah, exactly. yeah, watch out for the moons mm-hmm. and the Sabbath days and all that type of stuff as well. Uh, yeah, it's fourth quarter rules. Eric, Eric put in there, this fourth quarter rules? Seem like it, doesn't it? Well, we're going to go to uh, Brock. We have about three, four minutes left, guys. So let's take Brock Gosh. real quick. Brock, Brock, let's get into your question from the 605 freeway, brother. Two hands on the wheel, Flea. Two hands on the wheels. Amen. All right. Thanks, brothers. Uh, the question was in Second John um, 1, 10, and uh, 11, um, paraphrasing here unless you want to read it, but um, if, you know, somebody doesn't have the doctrine, then um, basically not to receive them or... Let Brian read it. Brian, go ahead and read it. Brian, go and read uh, Second uh, John 1, 10, and 11. That's what you're talking about? Okay. Start from 9, Brian. All right, Second John... Um Let's go nine. It says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. Verse 11, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. I'm sure you're going to deal with that when you deal with the Jehovah Witnesses and you're, and you're teaching on that uh, in some kind of way, form, or fashion. Is that what you're getting to, Brock? Your question about that is what? Uh, should we follow that doctrine? Uh, in, in uh, like, community church or different churches, like, um, is it necessary to kind of interview who we're, you know, hanging out with or if we find out that, oh, wow, this is, Maybe a, you know, a doctrine that could be borderline or suspect or something. Do we just back up or go to the elders or how do we deal with that? PCH, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm I'm not sure. I guess the more direct question to me would be: It's not talking about your house. Uh, the, the, the most of the early churches met in homes. They didn't have a buildings. They didn't have a facility on First and Main or whatever. So he's saying, yeah, don't invite them in the church to teach, and you don't say. Right. For example, greeting, by that, by that it means God bless you, because you're saying, or God speak, because you're asking God's blessing upon their false teaching. Um, but So 
I'm not, as I would argue, the text has nothing to do with interviewing people, finding out where they're coming from, having them in your house, showing hospitality. You just, but you don't give them a blessing such as God bless you or Godspeed, and you don't let them have the pulpit in a church. Um, but there's nothing wrong unless you just really don't understand and going to get confused. If one has some maturity, by all means, talk to them and find out where they're coming from and how you can share the gospel with them. I guess is that if that's what you're after, Brock, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Brock, I hope yeah, that's helpful that, to you, brother. That's helpful. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. All right, last call of the day, guys. Look, we're going to take Dave's call. Dave from Hollywood. Dave, thanks for holding on and calling in. Yes, fellas. Thank you very much. Uh, Pastor BCH, sir, my question goes to about mid-book of Revelation, vis-a-vis those uh, pre-tribbers who believe that the rapture could occur uh, the day after tomorrow. And uh, about the middle of Revelation, the Antichrist enters the temple and desecrates the temple, and there is your second abomination of desolation. Uh, The problem is there is no temple. And a temple takes many, many years to build. So how could we possibly have an imminent day after tomorrow uh, rapture view? Could you address that, sir? All right, I'm gonna, Brock, I'm going to take you off. Dave, I'm going to take you off the air because we have about three more minutes left, and then let Craig answer that. Okay. Thank, Thank you, brother. You Appreciate you. PCH. Well, sure, sure, and thanks, Dave. Good to hear from you again. Appreciate that. Well, of course, but 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 uh, uh, the pre-trib folks would just simply say, "Well, uh, Christ can come, and that that'll be happen afterwards." So they would just change the timetable and say that you and I have our chronology confused. That that Christ does come, and then somewhere in the tribulation, uh, there's now at least three and a half years for him to build, have the temple built. So I think that is an issue of concern. I I respect and love my brothers and sisters who are pre-trib, but I I don't hold a view for a number of reasons, and I think some of the concerns would be what you just cited. Uh, These are issues, and there's a number of other ones uh, that I've mentioned over the years. So this is a case where godly, intelligent Christians are going to simply hopefully agree to disagree agreeably. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, PCH, real quick before we go into our closing thoughts, what was the Ephesian verse you gave when we talked with Renee about that? Was it Ephesians 2? Uh, 2, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ephesians 2. I think Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 uh, were those verses in the read 10 about the work, work situation. Brian, you have any closing thoughts, my brother? We have about two and a half minutes. Um, you know, the... Um you know, we were talking uh, earlier, and uh, I just, I just want to just folks that are looking for um, for salvation. Don't it's like don't hold off, because again, uh, you know, the future's not promised to us. You know, you just hear car accidents, you hear people getting shot, you getting people getting robbed. I mean, this. I mean, this world is getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Nothing is promised to us, and so when it comes, you know, I really hope people listen to what the professor was saying earlier about uh, coming to know Christ. Uh, it's 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 a really, really, really an important issue because it's an eternal yes, position. And like like I posted on my Facebook page, you know what? If I'm wrong about God, I've lost my life. But if you're wrong about God, you lose an eternity, and you don't want to do that. PCH. Well, sure, I'd just say that I haven't even lost my life. I still had a very good life. 
And you know, so I, Pascal's wager, I win, win, win. I would just say in light of what Brian said, absolutely, that there's a sense of urgency. There should be, because we're not promised tomorrow. We talk about the second coming of Christ, and rightly so, but for some of us, Christ is coming for us personally uh, through our own car wreck or what have you. So we always want to be ready to go, have our accounts right with God, confess our sins, acknowledge Christ as our Savior, and live each day like it's, like it's our last, because it may well be. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask that you listen to Living by the Word Ministries next week. Invite everybody that you can and be in prayer for my particular ministry, the golf ministry. Even though it may sound like it's just a game, it's a very serious game that I take that I'm going to be revolutionizing the world through that golf ministry and it's going to help a lot, a lot of people and maybe open up the gospel of Jesus Christ to many people who definitely need it. Talking about a perfect game, there is none, but the golf is the most difficult game I've ever played in my life. So please, folks, pray for my golf ministry, and we'll see you next week, the Lord willing, because I'm Mama Grace and Big Daddy's baby boy, saying the Lord willing, Brian, PCH, Eric, Gabe, and everybody else. We'll be back next week if the Lord is willing, because we're not promised tomorrow. God bless.